Welcome to your weekly dose of wrestling, brought to you by Austin Outcast and Petey Savage. On this podcast, you'll get inside the minds of two lifelong wrestling fans and watch them tear each other apart piece by piece as they give their thoughts on all things wrestling. Sit back, hold on to your seat, and get ready to step inside the ring with the Savage One and the Outcast. This is Wrestling with the Mic. guys to a special edition of wrestling with the mic tonight we're going to go through a uh, royal rumble review from this past weekend and we have our returning guest of uh, john schuyler who's here to join us and uh, give us a little insight on what he thought about the pay-per-view itself so uh, how's it going john i'm doing well how are you guys good good couldn't complain how about you pete I'm doing fantastic over here at the Dog Bound. I feel you, bro. I feel you. Well, uh, let's run through these matches real quick. I believe the first one we got up was uh, Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo, correct? Yeah, um, that's correct. And uh, just before we hop into the matches, I, I do want to say that like the Royal Rumble is definitely my favorite pay-per-view of the year. I'm not sure about you guys. Oh, dude, definitely. But, that's the uh, same. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's the most exciting night, I think, of the year. Even if you don't watch WWE year-round, um, I think this is one of those shows that you can always just kind of tune into as a casual fan, and it's just the most unpredictable night of action for on the WWE calendar year. So, yeah, it's, it's sometimes even more so than WrestleMania. So, um, But, yeah, uh, we, uh, I guess the kickoff show started with um, Andrade and how do you say his name? Humberto Carrillo. <laughs> okay. Um, Just say the other guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I believe my, well, first of all, I don't know if we want to preface this also by saying that, I mean, I did pretty well with my predictions. Um, yeah, I mean, me and you were pretty spot on. Pete pretty much shit the bed, but, you know. Hey, hey I got one more wrong than you guys did, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's typically, I think we should get a pass, though, in the Royal Rumble matches themselves because those are a little bit hard whoa, to call whoa. sometimes. But I picked pick the winner of the men's match. All right, well. I mean, you're like everybody else who had Reigns winning you must the have match. Had some, you, you must have had some inside information uh, or some insight. So uh, I don't know uh, if you can even be trusted at this point. But. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, I had Andrade uh, defeating and retaining the United States Championship against Humberto. Um, what did you guys think of the match? Uh, honestly, I thought it was overall it was a great match. Um, you know, they both of them really mesh well. Uh, I did not see them pulling the title off Andrade just because, as a heel, I think he's perfect and he's got great momentum right now. And I just don't think it's time to pull that title off of him. So that's why I, he was my pick. Yeah, I thought it was a great yeah, match. I think and I, maybe they should have pulled the title off of him since we found out yesterday or Monday that he's not going to be there for 30 days. Uh, well, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't even know about that until, you know, post-match or, or post-Sunday. Well, I guess post-Monday when the, when it was announced. But, um, you know, I do like the look uh, and the presentation of Andrade and Selena. Uh, I'm a big fan of Andrade uh, in the ring. Uh, and it, uh, the United States title just seems like a natural fit for him. So I can also see why they wouldn't necessarily take it off of him just because he's going to be gone for 30 days. Uh, you know, I think he carries the championship well, and I really think that it's been something that's really elevated him uh, along with the, the the matches that he's had with Rey Mysterio recently. I think it's really launched Andrade into uh, like a big-money player on Monday Night Raw. Um so even despite the fact that he'll be gone for 30 days, I think I could definitely see him involved in a big money match of some sort at WrestleMania because he should be back in time. So, um, But I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I think when it comes to the Lucha style, these two are about as you know flawless as you get uh, in that style, in the Lucha Libre style of, of, uh, of wrestling. Do you think him and Herberto had a better, uh, better match than him and Ray? It's hard to say because obviously I think 
you know, there's more equity and, and, and long-term equity built up in Rey Mysterio. And I definitely think that, uh, just because of that, that alone, you know, fans, I think are more into the matches with Ray and Andrade, especially that ladder match. They did so many innovative things. Just when you think that the ladder match, you've seen it all in terms of things that you can do in that environment, you know, Andrade and Ray really pulled out all the stops and did some innovative things that, you know, I, not even I had ever seen before. So, uh, and I just think that fans are, are still, I guess, learning about Humberto and, and getting to know him. And it's just one of those things where, you know, fans, longtime fans know who Ray is. So I think it's going to take a little while longer for them to uh, to, to build up that equity in, in Humberto. Right, right. Now, Pete, you had, uh, I know you had Andrade winning the match, but didn't you say they should have had the ladder match at uh, at the pay-per-view rather than on Raw? Um what was your, what yeah, was your I, uh, I think the match is really good. Nothing against Rey Mysterio, but Humberto's 24 years old. So, yeah, people would rather see Rey in there. But give this guy 5, 10 years. I mean, he's from the Garza family. He's the nephew of um, Hector Garza and the mm-hmm. second cousin of Mascara. And um, uh, he's... And the seventh, eighth, and ninth cousin of whoever else. No, I mean, yeah. I think you come from a long line of wrestling family, but I think his downfall is going to be what his family has instilled in him, and that is working through his matches and not his appearance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You guys think? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm not real familiar with his family as a whole. I don't know about John. Um, no, he, as a matter of fact, you know, I feel like I I know a lot of things about professional wrestling, and I'm not very familiar with Humberto's background either, uh, especially his family lineage. But uh, you know, the ladder match would have been exciting to, if it would have taken place on the Royal Rumble show. I, I actually hate that this match was even on the kickoff. Yeah, uh, because I thought these two had a fantastic match. What was it back at Survivor Series um, that these two met on pay per view? Maybe it wasn't Survivor Series. Maybe it was another pay per view late last year. But I thought these two had an incredible match. Um, you know, one of best, one of the best outings that Humberto has had since he's been on television, actually. Uh, and so I thought it was kind of a shame that these two were kind of kicking off the kickoff show. Yeah, I was kind of shocked about that as well. Now, I know the, uh, I think the next match was uh, Sheamus and Shorty G. Of course, I picked Sheamus. He's back. They want to give him some type of momentum. Uh, Now, I genuinely thought it was going to be a great, you know, match. I I felt like Shorty G, hate that damn name, but I felt like he was going to hold his own, and he did. Now, Pete thought it was going to be a squash match. I did. I thought he was going right. to get murdered. But just a side note, um, Humberto Cruz is the second cousin of Angel Garza, who is currently in NXT right now. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. And, and yeah, he's been, Angel Garza has been very impressive, too, recently, especially with his matches with Leo Rush. I've been watching those on NXT. And, uh, is he still the Cruiserweight champion? He is. Uh, okay, yeah. So I definitely think there's a big upside with uh, with Angel Garza for sure, and who's to say that those two won't meet down the line in some sort of program that you know puts the family member versus family member? That'd be cool. But going back to uh, Shorty G and Sheamus, uh, I'm in agreement with you. I uh, I'm not a big fan of the gimmick. I hate the name. Chad Gable's just so talented. Uh, he's such a talented performer. Uh, you know, I don't know why he was necessarily saddled with the Shorty G name or, or the character of the gimmick. Just let the guy be himself. Um, but uh, on the flip side, I've also enjoyed the fact that they've kind of freshened Sheamus up by reverting back to his old look, his old mannerisms, his, his uh, you know, gimmick that he had, you know, seven, eight years ago. So uh, I, I anticipated Sheamus going over, but, uh, because I even predicted it. Again, I was right. <laughs> I also predicted and, and had a feeling that we would see Sheamus in the Royal Rumble match, and we didn't. But I also think um, from a fan's perspective or an uh, insider's perspective, I think one of the things that this match was lacking a little bit was some sort of stakes. 
there was nothing really on the line. I know they've had a bit of a program going and building up on SmackDown, but um, you know, I would have liked to seen this match maybe be for the, the the last spot in the Royal Rumble match, not necessarily the number thirty entrant, but uh, maybe some sort of Royal Rumble qualifying match or or something where there's some sort of stakes involved. And I think that's what you know caused this match to lack a little bit, um, even though they have had a bit of a program going on on Friday Night SmackDown. Right. It did just kind of seem like a filler match. Um, in my opinion, probably the best match, like singles match on the card of the entire night, in my personal opinion. I think both the guys really showed out and really showed what they, they're capable of. And I just wanna, I want to see them go at it a couple more times. Yeah, I definitely think uh, there's something there with a long-term uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it'd be a long-term, long-term program, but I definitely think that they're, you know, if the if last Sunday's any kind of indication, I definitely think these two have a lot more uh, fantastic matches left in the tank, and I definitely, uh, again, you know, it kind of, it kind of again stinks because, like you said, it was one of the better singles matches on the card. That again, it was saddled with the kickoff show, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing or not, but. Um, you know, for their sake, I wish more people would have been in the stadium because, you, you know, when you're doing stadium shows like that, a lot of the times the kickoff shows, you know, the building's not full yet. It kind of comes across that way on television or on the pay-per-view or when you're, wherever you're watching it from on the network. Um, and so, you know, you feel bad for the guys that are going out there and, and busting their asses. And both of these guys are, you know, uber talented. So uh, hopefully whatever the February – what what is the February pay per view? Is it Elimination Chamber? That is or did that get moved? Is it Fast Lane? I thought it was Fast Lane, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, there's too many pay per views. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, hopefully these guys get another shot at, at doing it. Maybe not on a kickoff show, but out on an actual pay per view coming up soon. Let's see. I got a list of the pay per views for this upcoming year. Uh, let's see what we got in, oh shit, Super Showdowns in February. Probably won't even watch that one, but. Yeah, there's no actual pay-per-view. The next one is March 8th, and it's the Elimination Chamber. There you go. Yeah, so, I don't know. We'll see how they build up for that. I'm sure they got some guest appearances, and whatever Salty's willing to pay, I guess that's what they'll bring to the table on that one, but, uh. Yeah, but I guess we better get to the uh, main card, and uh, I believe which matchup in the show was it—the women's rumble or was it Reigns and Corbin? It was Reigns and Corbin. Reigns and Corbin did. All right. Ah, uh, to begin, I'll just go ahead and be short and sweet. Uh, picked the winner of the match. Didn't really care for the match. I liked Reigns a while back. I think he's a great in-ring performer, but. At the end of the day, he's been shoved down our throat so much. I just I wasn't entertained by it, and that's pretty much all I got on that match. <laughs> uh, I actually uh, I called I called Reigns winning the match, uh, and I actually with those that I was actually watching the event with, I actually called the finish uh, with them ending up on the dugout, and I thought that that was a really nice touch to a false count anywhere match where you know the match actually ended you know, not inside the ring. It ended up on, you know, on the dugout. I thought that was a nice touch for well, the stadium crowd. Me being um, a baseball guy, that's the only part I liked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I did like the tie-in with, you know, the Usos and, and Ziggler and Rude and everybody getting involved that's been in the mix on that program on, um, on SmackDown. So I think those are probably the big takeaways, the big positives uh, from the match. And... You know, I don't foresee these two wrestling each other again on pay-per-view. I think with that clean win, it's time for Roman maybe to move on to someone else, uh, whether it be The Fiend or we can talk about that later. Um, but I definitely think this was probably the end of the road for Corbin and Reigns. No, I agree. I also had Reigns winning that thing. Um, I expected more out of the match because of how – um, gruesome there a few had gotten I did like that uh, portal potty spot those are always fun to watch mm -hmm. 
But um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of missing the old school Falls Count Anywhere matches where they end up in the streets and go all over the building into the bathrooms. I just, yeah. I guess they just don't do it for me anymore. Yeah, and I think with that, if you if you put yourself in the perspective of the fan that paid for the ticket to be there live and in attendance, that kind of uh, sours them a bit on the experience if they can't actually see what's going on or they have to watch it on the big screen or something like that. But, you know, thankfully this was basically an undercard match, even though it had a lot of buildup going into it. So uh, it would have been cool to see them maybe brawl outside or, uh, you know, like you said, brawl into the streets like the classic hardcore matches used to do, um, something along those lines. But I also think that King Corbin has really been the perfect foil to help Roman as a babyface because I think obviously, like you've already said, uh, he, there's a lot of times when he feels forced down people's throats, and that's kind of the trick or the catch-22 of being a top babyface now in WWE is you get overexposed. And um, But I think King Corbin is just naturally hated and legitimately hated so much that I think he actually has been the perfect foil for, for Roman uh, to, to, to win over some fans. So I definitely think this match, I give it two thumbs up. I think it definitely did what it was designed to do. And uh, it also, I think, helped build intrigue for the Royal Rumble later in the night. Pete, you want to feed off of that? Are you ready to move on to the next one? No, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> I, I, hate the match. Um, I didn't love it. Um, I think it was a good way to end their feud. And like John said earlier, I think that's going to be it for them for a while. And they're both going to go into a new top storylines. Yeah, I mean, I think Corbin's great as a heel, man. I, I really think he's finally reached his full potential. And I mm-hmm. they could do definitely do a lot with him right now. Um I guess maybe I was just maybe I'm just tired of the whole Reigns thing, honestly, but I mean I had a few good spots. The only thing I didn't like about the porta potty spot was you know, you dump a porta potty over with somebody in it, you expect them to come out with shit or something all over them. <laughs> or at least yeah. like toilet paper. Yeah, something. something. At least toilet paper attached I mean, to the shoe. Or I, I've never personally been in a, a clean porta potty, so they must have got the nicest porta potty they could possibly find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he came out squeaky clean. I didn't know what was up with that either, but uh, I guess it was a nice. It was an homage to the king going back to his throne. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of that was, but uh, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a fun spot either, either way. I got you. Well, I guess we'll move on to match number four of the night, which was the second on the main card, um, which was the women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and say that I shit the bed on this one because my pick wasn't even in the match. Um, I had Sasha Banks coming back and <sighs> winning and going against Bailey because obviously that would have been my pick in that next match we talk about, but that's what I thought was going to get set up. So I'm pretty much out on that one. But overall, I thought the match was good. You had a few surprises. The only issue I had with that match, and I guess it's, it might it might be just me. Um, I think all the women in the match really tore the house down. Uh, Beth Phoenix, mad props. I mean. To be her age and not be as active as she is and come in there and she's bleeding and, you know, her head's red by the time, her whole head's red by the time she left the match. Thought that was phenomenal. Um, But Mm -hmm. the only problem I had was Santina Morella entering the match when I think that spot could have been used for other talent. Now, wait a second. This Uh, is 2020. What's wrong with that? Oh dear they God! They got girls on the boys' wrestling team. They got boys on the girls' track team. Come on, now, yeah, bro. I don't have any girls on my baseball team, and I hope it stays that way. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, to piggyback off of what you said, I, I, I yeah, mad props to Beth Phoenix. Uh, pretty much coming in, uh, quote unquote, off the bench. She's not a full time talent anymore. Um, she's actually a mother, and uh, you know, for her to come in, you know, get busted open pretty badly on the back of her head and maintain, uh, you know, every, you know, she maintained a, her performance and, and didn't seem to rattle her. And she was out there for an ex- a long, long time for, uh, to be in the match 
with that sort of injury, and it didn't. She almost looked unfazed. So, uh, mad props to her. It was good to see her back. I enjoyed some of the NXT surprises, uh, you know, and, and some of the callbacks as well, like Mighty Molly. I thought that was a nice little touch. Well, the one you, you really know. liked was Kelly Kelly. Oh, I love Kelly Kelly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It was good to see her back as well. Uh, and you know, uh, an incredible performance, a star-making performance for Bianca Belair as well. She was out there very, you know, for a very long time. Got like eight eliminations. Um, looked really good in the process. Um, uh, and and again, I'm going to have to disagree with you on one thing. I kind of enjoyed Santina Morella being in the in the uh, in the Rumble match. Uh, like I, I understand that uh, you know you would have liked those scenes someone more on the active roster or full-time roster, you know, get that spot. But at the same time, you know, uh, there was a lot of fun spots in this particular women's rumble match, uh, you know, like with Mighty Molly and Santina, and then also the spot with Otis uh, making the save for Mandy Rose. I oh, thought yeah. that was very great. Yeah, that was great. And, and well done. Um, I, I'm really actually, you know, I'm interested to see what they do uh, going forward with that little you know, love story between Otis and, and Mandy. Um, but uh, I actually, I, I sometimes I, I like to go completely left field with my picks in these Royal Rumble matches, and I think that's what I did this year. But I actually had Shayna Baszler pegged to win this. So when she came out, I believe, at number 30, I thought I had called it. And uh, needless to say, I was wrong because Charlotte Flair ended up winning. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's good. Uh, you know, if Sasha wasn't going to be in the match, and obviously she wasn't, I'm, you know, I don't know if it was because of an injury or what's going on there, but, uh, you know, I think Charlotte was the rightful probably pick to win because I think we'll probably end up getting, what, I guess, her and Becky again at WrestleMania this time in a, in a singles match because the other two times uh, they've wrestled, I believe they've been triple threats. So mm -hmm. I think this will be the first time you'll see the two of them meet one-on-one -on -one at a WrestleMania, and I think that's going to be uh, – I, I think that'll be a hell of a draw. You think, do you, think that's main, you think that's main event worthy? Not this year, no. I got you. Well, we'll touch, um, we'll touch on that a little later on then. <laughs> sure. Pete, what you got on that match? Yeah, um, like you guys said, big props to Beth Phoenix. She is the definition of a warrior. But also want to give big props to the NXT girls in Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair. They both had eight eliminations, more than anyone else in the match. And Shayna did that in less than five minutes. <laughs> I mean, uh, Shayna's just the future of the women's division. She is a beast. She can tell a story in the ring better than any other woman in the locker room, in my opinion. And she's believe she's a believable badass. Like if I saw Shayna yeah. Baszler, I'm like, nope, not messing with her. She will kick my ass. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think she's a, she's main roster ready for sure. I think she is going to be a standout when she is finally full time on the main roster, and she builds uh, or has, I mean, instant instant credibility um, given her background and everything. I think she'll definitely be a force to be reckoned with. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I guess we'll... Uh, that Beth Phoenix was in there for a while. Twenty-three Over 23 minutes she was in there. Uh, the fourth longest out of everyone. What uh, what number did Beth come in? Does it say? Beth came in at number 19 and eliminated the 28th. Damn. Yeah, I, I was definitely happy to see Beth in the match and the other two. And then that, you know, that one just wasn't really hitting home, but it is what it is. But uh, let's move on to uh, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. I know I had Bailey winning the match, and reason being was for my Rumble pick. Um, and I just didn't think it's time to put the belt on Lacey. I think Lacey, Lacey's really grown on me um, here in the past month, month and a half. Um, I really am digging Lacey, and I think they're using her the right way now. Uh, so, But I didn't have her going over. Um, I know Pete had her going over. I think you had Bailey winning too, didn't you, John? Yeah, I had Bailey. Uh, I had Bailey re retaining the SmackDown Women's Championship simply because I don't think, and I think we've grown 
accustomed to the fact that at the Royal Rumble, you're probably not going to see too many title changes because we're getting so close to WrestleMania. So um, I had Bailey retaining for that simple fact. And I do, you know, you said you dig what they've been doing with Lacey Evans. I really dig what they've been doing with Bailey in this new heel persona. So I definitely want to see where they continue to go with that. And I don't think it was time to switch the, the SmackDown women's title. No, no, I, de- I definitely think the Bailey heel turn was probably the best thing to happen for her career in a long time. Um, so, I, like I said, I'm with you on that one. I definitely want to see where it goes. And I, I love Bailey. I've always been a Bailey fan. I love heel Bailey. I just thought with all the publicity and screen time that Lacey Evans was getting, I just thought they were going to give it to her before Mania hit, or the road to Mania hit, and she's going to go in with that strap at Mania. But I was wrong. Shit the bed, bro. Shit the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, long as, as long as you clean it up for me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> John, you got anything else on that match? Are you ready to move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, no, I thought uh, the one thing I was going to add was I thought these women were in a rough spot on the card just because they had to follow the women's rumble match. Um, and that in itself, you know, not the, the unpredictability of it all makes it exciting. And it's just a, it's a hard match to follow. So, do, you, do you think uh, they uh, – was... go ahead. No, I was just going to say it was, you know, for this particular segment of the show, it was probably the shorter the better. Um, kind of get in, get out, and I definitely think too moving forward that there would be more uh, that they could put more of an emphasis on, you know, Lacey's daughter and all that, and the storyline with having her involved. Uh, I think there's still a lot of legs left in this program to carry on into WrestleMania. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's see. No, I was gonna say. Um. Where I didn't mean to cut you off a minute ago, but what I was gonna say was, do you think they should just have like both rumbles as like a co-main event for the show, or do you think that's too long? I definitely think you need to split them up. Uh, I don't think having the rumble matches back to back does anybody any favors. Um, for one, I don't think it does the crowd any favors. Uh, you know, I, I think it would definitely be just total burnout. You know, you're getting sixty superstars, and then you're getting like. I guess that would be like 58 of the 10 second countdowns. Uh, you know, it's just going to, it's a lot and it would drain the crowd very, very quickly if they were back to back. So, uh, I kind of like and dig the format that they've used when, since they've added the two rumble matches. Uh, but I'm also, you know, back and forth on, do we need to have two of everything every year? Do we need to have two rumble matches? Do we need to have two elimination chamber matches? Do we need to have two money in the banks? You know, that's going to be something that they need to think about moving forward because now we've seen just about every piece of history that we can see be made with, with the women. Now it's time to get a little bit more creative, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, one thing I think they could have done, um, you're talking about, you know, not having two Royal Rumble matches. Well, what if they, I know they didn't have it this past year and, you know, kind of surprised they didn't, but, you know, they had the all-women's pay-per-view evolution year before last, I believe. Um, I feel right. like that, I feel like that would be a good opportunity to throw that Rumble match into that pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or some sort of, uh, you know, battle royal type concept mm-hmm. that would be exclusive to the women. Um that's not a bad idea at all. Uh, you know, I, but uh, to, to go back to your question, I, I definitely think they made the right call and have continued to make the right call in not having those matches go back to back. Right, right. Well, Pete, you got anything on that? I just want to add that I, I, I can't see them taking the women's rumble off completely because I think it used to be a huge uproar and just the. Um, feminist community now that they've done it they can't take it away sure or maybe they could short maybe they could shorten it up because i mean in reality this year you know uh we had what six women announced ahead of time which made it cool for the surprises but uh you know who's to say that they can't do a 20 woman rumble match or a 15 woman royal rumble match or have them come out at one minute intervals instead of 90 seconds or just some sort of modification maybe to what they already have, not necessarily taking it away, 
but some sort of alteration to it to where, you know, it won't drag on, you know, having the two matches won't, won't drag the show on. I don't know. All right. Well, the next match we need to cover is the Fiend Bray Wyatt. And he defeated Daniel Bryan in a strap match for the WWE Universal Championship. Um, I had the Fiend. I think all of us had the Fiend. Um, I thought the match was good overall. And, I mean, it wasn't too long. And I thought it told a good story. And, you know, there's still room to grow off of that, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I saw the outcome. You know, I figured it would end like that. I'm pretty sure all of us did. But strap match, I felt like Daniel really held his own in there with the fiend, and you know the way Daniel's character has kind of evolved back to the old Daniel Bryan in the past months. You know, kind of building off that underdog thing again. Uh, I think it was good overall. I thought it was a very entertaining and good match. Yeah, no, I uh, I completely agree. Uh, again, didn't really anticipate them switching the championship here so close to WrestleMania. Uh, for what it was, I thought it was fantastic. I was a little befuddled still about why exactly it was a strap match. Um, you know, up until about a week or so ago, I I was still kind of confused as to exactly what made this a strap match. What would, you know, what the reasoning behind it was, um, because I don't know, it just seemed to to be a bit of a stipulation kind of for the sake of having a stipulation or a gimmick attached to the match kind of seemed a little out of left field, but I thought, that being said, I thought what they came up with was very creative. A lot of the things that they did with the leather strap was was creative and stuff that, that had not been done before. I thought it was uh, a nice touch uh, for a change that Brian didn't have a tan because you could actually see the leather where you, you know he had gotten whipped with the leather strap and the welts kind of form on the, on his back and it kind of just added, I think, to the credibility of the match and made it seem vicious, made the fiend seem vicious. And I think at the at the end of the day, it was, um, you know, kind of what the Fiend had, you know, now that we've seen him wrestle matches a few times now, we needed to add that uh, another level to that vicious dynamic of the Fiend character. And I think this match was, again, perfect for that. Pete? Yeah, um, I like the match. It was a great match, like you guys just said. Um, but like John said... They threw the, the stipulation there just so it could be a memorable match. Because they knew if they just did a regular match with The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan again, they just kind of get lost in the shuffle. Just like, um, I think it was 1993 or 94, Undertaker versus Yokozuna. They did a casket match because they wanted the match to be memorable. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. If it was needed to be a strap match or even needed to be on the card at all since we've already seen it multiple times. Um, but they, they did great. They These two guys are two of the top guys in the company or even in the world at what they do. So every time they go out there, they're going to show off, they're going to show up, and they're going to leave everyone at the edge of their seats. We all knew that Bray Wyatt was going to win. It was obvious. But there's times that you're like, wow, could this happen? Could they be ending this already? So even though we knew he was going to win, we weren't bored. We weren't just watching and playing with our phones. We were still in tune with the match because these two guys are just so phenomenal at what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, these guys had a fantastic match back at Survivor Series that I, I thoroughly enjoyed, and I actually just recently watched that back. Uh so maybe they felt like the stipulation was needed to uh, top their last pay-per-view performance against one another. I'm not really sure, but uh, just just the the strap concept just seemed out of left field to me. I don't know, but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it either way. Awesome. So the next match is the one that I actually missed besides the women's rumble match. I kind of rolled the dice with Asuka. I think, in my opinion, I think they're finally utilizing her properly and she's actually that badass and that she kind of was in the past. You know, she's not a face, of course, but 
you know, I finally thought I thought this was probably the right time to put the belt on Oscar. I know Becky's been hot. She's been hot for over a year now. Um, uh, the fans love her. I think she's going to continue to stay hot. But I just thought it was a perfect opportunity to give Oscar the title. Um, but that was just my opinion. Overall, I thought the match was good. So. Yeah, and this was actually probably you know my pick for one of, if not the best, you know under of the undercard matches on the show uh non-royal rumble matches uh i thought it was hard hitting i thought it was practically a mania worthy match between these two um uh uh, becky lynch showed a lot of fire uh you know and they were both able to create drama Uh, i love the the callbacks to things like the mist and uh you know you know again i had pegged becky to win this um and but i you know i can also I could this is the one that I had the toughest time predicting because like you said I could see them switching the belt in this particular case uh because Oscar you know you know has been hot recently and I think again that's a nod to Becky because um, Becky's so over as a baby face I think she's done a really good job of creating a villain in Oscar that's believable um but uh, this was probably, I, I, in, um, you know, you can agree or disagree, but I thought this was probably the best of the undercard matches on the show. Yeah, definitely. I thought the, uh, I personally thought the ending with the mist and everything, I thought that was pretty good and perfect timing. But, yeah, I definitely thought it was one of the best matches. Yeah, I loved that ending um, where she kicked her in the face and the mist went in the air and then it came back down into her face, all in her eyes. Mm-hmm. It was just such a great visual that even yeah. if you didn't catch it the first time, you replay and you go, wow, we got like right in her mouth, her eyes. It was just the perfect mm-hmm. shot, the perfect camera angle for that shot. And then putting mm-hmm. that disarmor in, making Asuka submit, I mean, that's just huge for Becky. And that should just be a huge mm-hmm. thing going into uh, WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that leaves us with our last match to go over, um, which is the men's Royal Rumble match. My pick actually did win the match. Um, I'm not sure who John had winning. Um, I I picked Kevin Owens as the winner. He was my dark horse, but I also I had two picks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and neither one of them won. So, uh, uh, no, I had, if Kevin Owens wasn't going to win, I had uh, Roman Reigns pegged to win, but um, I was wrong on both accounts. Yeah, Pete, who'd you have one in that match? I had Brock Lesnar winning it. Right, right. Well, of course, it started out with Brock. Brock had 13 eliminations, and I'm sure John was happier than a pig in shit the first 20 minutes of the match. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you had uh, Braun and Keith Lee. You know, they came in all at once. I thought that was when we were going to see Brock go out. Unfortunately, Brock eliminated Keith and Braun at the same time. Um, but uh, go before ahead. we get before we before we get to that, I do want to mention. You know, obviously, this first half of the Rumble has been very polarizing with fans online. I think a lot of people either thought whoever number two was was going to come out and eliminate Brock right away, or we were going to get what we got. And, you know, fans either have loved it or hated it. Personally, I did love it. I love the, uh, the idea of guys being fed to Brock. I love the little tie-ins, the little stories, even things like Shelton Benjamin coming out and then having the call back to their days at Minnesota together. Uh, just things like that. And then uh, I personally thought we were going to see Brock get eliminated when we had Kofi and Ray and Big E um, start triple teaming them. And I thought that was a cool little moment where, you know, you had Big E come out, not necessarily the happy-go-lucky pancake-throwing Big E. We had a more serious, fiery, like, we've got to get the job done, Big E. And I I thought that that added a lot of, uh, you know, dynamic to his personality, but also it made for a nice moment in the match when the three of them attacked Brock because the the fan, that was one of the first times I really felt like the fans really, really, really came up in the match. Uh, when the three of them attacked Brock three-on-one. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you on the Shelton story they kind of told there. I really like that. Um, And we actually had a little surprise appearance from MVP. I think he lasted every bit of 24 seconds. So, uh, (laughs) Which was a long time for this Rumble because, I mean, when you add up (laughs) 
people like Elias and John Morrison and all these other guys that were practically and Cesaro that were practically in and out. You know, uh, twenty four seconds was a long time this year. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I like the exchange with Cesaro and, and Brock too. You know, I, I thought they did a really good job of. You know, it wasn't just babyface after babyface that they were feeding Brock. I mean, he got you know you know Eric Rowan and he got Cesaro and Shinsuke and you know I thought they I thought for what it was they did a really good job of you know you you never really knew who was going to come out next and I think sometimes the rumble can get a little predictable but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the first half and I thought it all built well to the crescendo which was when Brock finally got eliminated. If you guys want to talk about that, definitely. Uh little side note though, what's in Eric, Eric Rowan's cage? Oh my gosh! Um, what could could it be? Uh, uh, could it be Katie Vick? <laughs> the the May Young's purple hand. It could it could be May Young's yeah yeah the the hand. Uh, Hornswoggle. No, could be Hornswoggle. Uh, maybe it's bad new bad news Brown's sewer rat that we never got to see. Um, you know I don't I don't know it could be. Uh, oh man. That's a good question. That's a real good question. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's get off of that real quick and get back to the rumble. Uh, so we had McIntyre come in, and people can knock Brock all they want, but I really think when McIntyre came in and hit him with that Claymore, I think Brock sold that perfectly. Um, oh, he took incredible, an incredible bump over the top. Very athletic, and Brock is deceivingly athletic. Uh, for a guy his size, but that was the perfect bump that Brock needed to take, and you know, uh, made Drew a star instantaneously. But continue. Sorry to cut you off. Nah, bro. <laughs> you good? Uh, so I guess we'll save like the big surprise entrant to the end. Um, I'm sure we all have an opinion on that. Uh, mm-hmm. but to go throughout the match, you know, you had Reigns and Orton kind of come in late. 25-26, that really got my wheels turning, and then Owen's right behind them. Uh, but one thing I did like was Aleister Black coming in late. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that could be a sleeper pick there, definitely. But you had Rollins come out, Monday Night Messiah with his stable. Uh, you had AOP with him and Buddy Murphy. I think they set that whole thing up perfectly um, and mm-hmm. found a way to draw all them out of the match and drag them to the back to let the final three kind of go at it. Um, but mm-hmm. overall, I mean, I'm satisfied with the winner and I thought it was great. Yeah. I think you definitely saw a lot of future stars in the making and guys really, uh, were made. Even if you want to circle back around back to, to Keith Lee, uh, you know, I thought Brock did a hell of a job, you know, putting Keith Lee over, uh, Keith was really the first guy to kind of take Brock off his feet, really like uh, in a in a decisive fashion. But even when you know Keith Lee's music hit, Brock was kind of like, "Oh, okay, we got the big boy now," <laughs> you know, and like that alone really, I thought, put Keith Lee over as a threat. Um, uh, you know, I thought it was a nice touch having you know Gallows and Anderson in there. You don't ever, you know, sometimes you don't get to see the tag teams too much show up and pop up in the Rumble. Um, I was. I could, you know, I kind of picked up on AJ Styles getting injured. Uh, apparently, he separated his shoulder, so that kind of sucks. Because I hope he doesn't miss WrestleMania. Because I think he's still hands down one of the best performers in the business. Um, uh, like you said, I, I enjoyed the tie-in with uh, with Rollins and his group at the end. I thought that tied everything in nice that we've seen, you know, for various weeks on Monday Night Raw with you know Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe and Aleister Black. And I agree with you again on the fact that Aleister Black coming in late, you know, sometimes I think something as simple as having a guy come out that late in the Rumble in itself becomes a rub to a a, a new talent just because they're in there with so many top stars, even if they don't necessarily eliminate anybody or, you know, anything of that nature. I think it's still a rub to have somebody like an Aleister Black in there with the Randy Ortons and, uh, the Roman Reigns and, and everybody else, Rollins, Owens, you know, everybody that was in there at the end. Definitely, definitely. Pete, what you got on overall, the overall match? So, 
and John kind of hit on already. My favorite part of that match was when Keith Lee came out, and Brock really put Keith Lee over. Like, oh yeah, it's about to get fun in here. Yeah, and I think that really was my favorite part of the match. And I loved because I, I've heard in the past that they were afraid to bring Keith Lee up to Raw or SmackDown because they weren't sure how the the ever the um the, the everyday casual fans would react to Keith Lee because he's just on NXT and as great as NXT is, it's not watched by everyone like Raw and SmackDown is. Mm-hmm. But they hear him get that huge ovation by the crowd in Houston. I think that was uh, speaking volumes to uh, Triple H and Vince and all the writers and producers that Keith Lee is the real deal. And I just love seeing Brock Lesnar put Keith Lee over like that. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he, Brock Lesnar gets a really bad rep for burying people, but that's not who he is. He does what is asked of him, and he does it really well. Yeah. I love yeah. he um, eliminated 13 people straight because – what better way to get your top heel heat than have him just chuckling people over the top rope and all the fans are at home. Oh, this sucks. This is garbage. I'm going to cancel my network subscription. They're not having my $9.99 this month. Not happening. But, of course, they don't cancel. Well, they saw Brock yeah. Lesnar kicked in the gimmicks and thrown over. <laughs> well, to touch back on Brock, yeah. though, I, I really think, like, I don't know if you guys – pay close attention to it, but you were talking about Brock putting Keith Lee over. I really think we've seen another side of Brock and I, you know, actually see him. He does have somewhat of a personality. Uh, I've really enjoyed seeing that and seeing it evolve over the months. Yeah. Even him like doing the subtle things like dancing to MVP's entrance music. Right. And the interaction and the interaction that he had recently with R-Truth on Monday Night Raw. Uh, That was You know, that little... yeah, that in-ring segment that they had. You know, you've really seen Brock, I guess, kind of grow to become more comfortable after all these years. And you just see him. It looks like he is having a good time out there now. And I think, again, that adds another dimension to his personality. And, and um, you know, it's it's been uh, fun to see. Now, on the contrary, uh, well, you know, we were talking about Keith Lee. Um, yeah, I think one of the things, too, that people are a little bit hesitant about is, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but that's exactly what we do in professional wrestling. Yes, he's a big guy, but he doesn't necessarily have that muscled-up physique that Vince typically likes in big men. Um, so I think that was maybe one of the things that kind of, you know, people were a little bit skeptical of in terms of calling him up. But as much of a rub that he had, uh, you know, it was surprising to see Matt Riddle go in and out so quick. Um I didn't know if that was something that we needed to touch on or not, but I was thoroughly shocked to see Matt Riddle kind of come and go so quickly. 41 seconds. On Matt Riddle? On Matt Riddle. Wow. He's limited by Baron Corbin at 41 seconds. Wow. Again, that was kind of a long, actually a long time for this year's Rumble, but no. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I – I give the whole rumble two thumbs up. Uh, you know, fans can say what they want about the first half and it dragging on, but what fans need to realize too is that there's a slow burn. Uh, all that was put in place, those first 15, 16 entrants or whatever it was, they were put in place to get the reaction of Brock finally getting eliminated by McIntyre. And when Brock finally got eliminated, that place went nuts and had that not had they done that after maybe entrant number four or entrant number five i don't think it would have had the same reaction or effect that it did when mcintyre came in i think at 16 uh and and finally eliminated brock so there's a reason that they do that slow burn sometimes and i thought it played out perfectly um and i mean i'm actually excited now to see brock and mcintyre i'm one i'm excited to see the match at wrestlemania but two I'm actually excited to see the build for the match at WrestleMania. Yeah, most definitely. I think it'll be great. Um, it was definitely... And it was also perfect because they've been slowly turning Drew McIntyre into a baby face. Mm-hmm. But they, he was such a top heel for so long, being with Shane McMahon. That it, it was a hard time. Just They can't do it overnight. Yeah, it was... But what better yeah. way to completely turn him into the biggest baby face... Then eliminate Brock Lesnar, the guy that just threw 
13 people in a row over the top rope in mm-hmm. a matter of 24 minutes. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so, I mean, you're you're hundred you're content with the finish as well, right? Oh yes. yeah, cool. Well, let's go go ahead and get to the big, big, big surprise of the night. Um, Santino Marella. Yeah, you're gonna talk about it again. <laughs> at number twenty one, we got to see the rated R superstar Edge. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it. Um, my emotions were flying. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him in nine years. And to see him mm-hmm. come out and just see that emotion on his face, I think that's really kind of what got to me. But, uh, yeah, I, I marked out a lot right there. I don't know about you guys, John. I don't know how big of an influence Edge was on you or anything like that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was a magical moment. And you could tell just by his face when he came out and he came through that smoke uh you know, you could tell he was almost moved to tears, but, uh, a couple things went through my head Uh, immediately. Uh, you know, I was live in attendance for the Royal Rumble in 2010 in Atlanta. Uh, and edge came back as a surprise there, uh, and ended up winning the rumble match. So that's, that's one of the first things that I thought of. It kind of took me back to 2010, but, um, he has been an incredible influence on my career. He's been a mentor, uh, to me because he lives in North Carolina now and, and a few others. Um, you know, he's actually helped a lot of us out in our careers, and it doesn't get talked about a lot. But, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that's just so passionate about the business. And, you know, we were all kind of, you know, heartbroken when it, when it got kind of – he got forced out or the business got taken away from him without him having a say in the matter. Uh, so to see him back and see him in – not only back without missing a beat, but the incredible shape that he was in. I mean, he looks better at 46, um, or however old he is, than he did at 36. Uh, you know, I, I just couldn't get over what great shape he's gotten himself into and how, you know, he hadn't missed a beat. And, you know, you guys were exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, it was definitely the biggest pop of the night. Um, you have you have those big pops for the returns that you see in, like, the arenas. But then you have what I've grown to call, like, the Hardy Boys pop when the Hardys came back at WrestleMania. It's a pot that's even loud for like a stadium, and that's what we got. We got one of those big Hardy Boys return pops uh, because I mean that pop sounded even loud for a stadium. Which so uh, that's which, kind of the the couple thoughts that I had. If you had to choose, which return was better? Hardy's or Edge? Yeah. Uh, well, they're all now they're all well. Edge is kind of an adopted North Carolina guy, but they're all North Carolina guys now. Um, uh. Man, I don't know. Uh, you can't put one ahead of the other, but uh, maybe because this one was more recent, uh, you know, I, you know, I'd have to go with this one because you know I think it's just fun to see. Uh, it's it's fun to have a genuine surprise, and you know, I think there were some circular, you know, rumors circulating on the internet uh, about him being cleared to compete and all that with the months leading up to it. But you know, with the Royal Rumble, you never really know, um, and I think. You know, I was going to actually bring this up. You know, they had a handful of guys that got announced for the Rumble match, like Rusev and Lashley and Buddy Murphy and I think Heavy Machinery and a couple others. They ended up not being in the Rumble match. Uh, I, I kind of like that. I kind of like the fact that they announce a few people and then they're not in the match because it kind of leaves it open for surprises like this. Um, and I thought this was masterfully done. I thought Edge looked phenomenal, you know, not only physically, but, you know, again, it look like he hadn't missed the beat. And I think fans are really going to get excited about some of the dream matches that we're going to potentially get, whether he winds up full-time on Raw or SmackDown. You know, I think, you know, him and AJ Styles would be fantastic. Him and Seth Rollins, him and Roman Reigns. I think there's so much meat on the bone now of what you can do with him now that he's back. Definitely. I think uh, I think in him and Randy, as of this past Monday, definitely have a good story to tell. Um I'm a huge Orton fan, definitely as a heel. I think he's one of the best heels in the business. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think Monday night he proved that yet again. And, you know, just to ha- just to see the reaction of everybody in the crowd Monday night. And, yeah. I, you know, he did his job. <laughs> I thought that, yeah, you know, I know we're supposed to be talking about the pay-per-view, but I think that that last segment on Raw 
uh, Monday night was fantastic. Uh, I thought that was one of the best things that they've done in terms of a closing segment in a long time. Um, you know, uh, Randy looked vicious. He looked, uh, you know, uh, cerebral. Um, and, you know, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, I thought it was a good way to set the stage for what is probably going to be the match that we see at WrestleMania. Um, and, you know, I think Randy has been the best in the business for the last 10 years, at least. But since yeah. me and John's yeah. kind of been hogging the airway, Pete, do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, no, you guys haven't covered everything. Um, but, yeah, Monday night, uh, me and Austin talked right after Raw. I knew he was a big Edge fan, and I'm a huge Randy Orton fan. And I mm-hmm. I loved it. I I think I popped harder for Randy Orton turning on Edge than I did when Edge came back. I thought it was strange that they gave him a heel turn so quickly after just getting uh, that face turn. And I'm not sure if that was the plan all along because during the Rumble match, it looked like they were going with AJ versus Edge at Mania, the way they had that little stare down. Mm-hmm. But I think with him getting injured... They uh, kind of had to pivot. The, the, the rubble match, yeah. and then once they got um, full reports of him separating his shoulder, they kind of made different plans. I don't know for sure. This just the way it kind of seemed, and uh, my prediction and my my thoughts on it. But Randy Orton is the best heel in the game. His facial expressions. His nonchalant of the cringeworthy things that he does to people. Uh, mm-hmm. No one else does it like Randy Orton. And I can, I, I don't want to see Randy Orton as a face ever. <laughs> Randy is the perfect heel. And you love to hate him. And you never know what despicable act he's going to do next. And, and right. Sometimes it's like, not like a with Red. Yeah. Sometimes with Randy, it's not the things that he does; it's the things that he don't that he doesn't do that makes him so great. And I think, you know, you know, I'll repeat it again. I think he's been the best in the business for the last ten years. And uh, it, to me, too, it was a little soon for him to go switch back heel so so quickly. Uh, I would have loved to have seen them build maybe to uh, Elimination Chamber or Super Showdown with maybe Rated RKO versus Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins uh, for the tag titles, but. Uh, you know, obviously there's a plan in place, um, you know, whether it was supposed to be AJ and Edge or whether it's, you know, now going to be Edge and Randy, you know, I definitely think it's going to be something that a lot of fans everywhere can sink their teeth into. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, I've, well, I, pr- I think that's pretty much it, fellas. Uh, I think that was a good Royal Rumble 2020 review. Uh, I think we really touched on everything. Uh, definitely look forward to doing this again. I th- well, we we got to do the classic. Do you guys give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, John, we always we appreciate having you on here. Uh, we look forward to kind of having you on as a reoccurring guest. Uh, I know you've got some shows coming up this weekend, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you want to kind of plug that real quick and – Always add your social media handles if you still got one left, I believe. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this Friday night I'll be in Sumter, South Carolina for big time wrestling. And then the next day, the very next day, I hop on the Big Iron Bird and fly over to England. And I will be in England until February the 21st. Uh, I get back February 21st. I'll have PWX in Rockingham, North Carolina, uh, February the 22nd. The fans are in control of the show. The fans get to pick the matches, the challengers, the stipulations. Uh, for the first time ever in PWX history, the power is in the fans' hands. So they can follow PWX Wrestling doc, or you know, PWX Wrestling on social media, PWXPro.com, for all the information on how they can vote and be a part of that historic night of action, February 22nd. And then February 23rd, I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina with OSCW. Old school championship wrestling. So uh, I'm gonna. It's gonna be a busy February for me, and I'm excited about it. Um, uh, all my social media has been pretty much deleted at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, the only thing that I kept was Twitter. Now, I did sign yeah. out of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I signed out of Twitter. 
I did not completely delete Twitter. So if fans want to follow me, they still can at the John Schuyler. It's S K Y L E R. Uh, and maybe one of these days soon, I will pop back up on Twitter. Um, but everything else is gone, brother. Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do, man. Uh, no complaints there. Uh, Pete, I know you're going to be set up uh, Friday night as well at Big Time Wrestling. I'll be there to help you out and rep wrestling with the mic while you set up for Dog Pound Wrestling Toys and Collectibles. If you want to give that a little plug ski real quick before we get off air. Oh, yeah, the Dog Pound will be in full effect, loaded up the tables this Friday at Sumter. We got it all. We got elites, we got bases, we got shirts, we got replica belts. We got it all at the Dog Pound. And I'm trying to get over to Charleston as well on the 23rd. Nah, you, you can't go show. to that. You got No Show Pillman on there? You can't, nah, nah. I'm hey, not- man, I, I got to meet, I got a big uh, elite for D.H. Smith to sign, man. Ah, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, John, once again, we appreciate you being on the show, and uh, we look forward to having you again, brother. Thank you very much. Can't wait to review another pay-per-view, you guys. Good fun.